Hey friends, it's Coley. You're listening to Still With You, a podcast space sharing gold, inspiring stories with genuine friends about our faithful God. No matter what, He is always with us, and I am so happy you are here. Before I introduce our guest, I want to bring your attention to the music you are listening to. Where the Light Dances by Yamari is playing on every episode of Still With You this season. I could not be more excited to share this friend's beautiful voice, and if you want to hear more of Yamari's music, you can stream her songs on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, and connect with her on social media at Yamari Official. Today on the show, I am speaking with a friend you most likely already know from her one-of-a-kind photography work with some of your favorite authors, speakers, musicians. Maybe Michelle shot a wedding you attended or you read an article about the 1886 farmhouse she is restoring. Arkansas native Texas resident Michelle Mitchell is a portrait artist lover of people and a storyteller. She owns and operates Michelle Mitchell Photo that takes her all over the world capturing authentic moments. Y'all must take a look at her portfolio. Clearly she has an anointed gift in honoring God and people with her camera lens. Four years ago in May 2018, Michelle purchased an 1886 farmhouse and began documenting the restorative process, noticing how it closely paralleled with her own personal story of restoration. This project and movement, A House God is Building, is being carried across the nation into the hearts of people who desperately need to be reminded of the restorative, transforming power of Christ's love. Michelle is also in the middle of writing a book that I am continually looking forward to reading. You are going to love this conversation covering fashion finds from Tractor Supply, experiences of growing up in a small town, peace found in surrender, and practical ways to help you honor God through your home. Michelle's becoming story is not just hers. From broken to beautiful, nothing is too far beyond God's reach. Each of us are in desperate need of healing and restoration on the road home. May this conversation bless you and inspire you, please welcome to Still With You, Michelle Mitchell. Thanks so much for twinning with me today. I know that our friends can't see it, but it must have been the day for a denim jumper. Mine's a jumper. Is yours just a top? Mine's just a a plain old top. And I actually have a funny story about this. I think it happened when I bought the farmhouse that I suddenly started loving the um, the store tractor supply. Do you guys have those in Pensacola? <laughs> that is so funny you say that because there is one coming five minutes from our house and your tractor supply, right? I'm getting that right. <laughs> yes. They sell hay and animal, you know, all sorts of animal foods yeah. and and anything outdoorsy yard, they, they sell it. Is, is there a good fashion find there? <laughs> well, it's funny because this shirt, it's a, you know, it's a Wrangler denim. Yeah. So it's become my little staple here or whatever when I'm working around the house. But so many people stop me and they're like, oh, I love that denim shirt. And I'm like, man, I wish I could give you like this cool, like outfit of the day, like fashion, whatever. But I was like, it's from, it's from Tractor Supplies. Anyway, I love it. Oh, oh, it's the tractor supply. You know, that's so funny. You mentioned Wrangler because historically, like where I'm from, I'm from a really small town. And so have you yeah. ever heard of the story like Orschelands? I haven't. I don't think. Uh-uh. It must be a Midwest thing because Orschelands is kind of like tractor supply. Like it's where you could buy yeah. altars for your horses and like your chicken feed. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> they would have Carhartt clothing yep. and Wrangler. Yep. And so growing up, I would always think of Wrangler as being just plain like these straight cut jeans and a little brown label, just very boring. Yeah. 
But I follow Wrangler fashion trends now. Like they have stepped up. I know. I know they're stepping it up. Yeah. And I heard that they're coming. Like I, this is, you know, I'm no fashion icon or anything. Hey, you can be. We'll welcome it. <laughs> I heard a rumor. I can't remember where I heard this. The upcoming fashion trend was going to be like the Wrangler kind of like even Southwestern, like Aztec, mm-hmm. Western wear, that whole thing is coming back on the scene big time. So anyways, hopefully my my Wrangler shirt will make splashes and things like that. <laughs> it will make splashes. It is already ahead of its time. I have looked at a pair of Wrangler kind of flare-legged jeans more times yeah. than I can count. Yeah. I want a pair of so badly. I'm such a thrifter that I'm like, please yeah. someone not know that these are coming back and put them on sale. <laughs> Well, they carry Wrangler and like Carhartt and all those brands at Tractor Supply. So the listeners may just get some sort of great find there. if they go. It's coming to my city. They just put up the construction sign for it. <laughs> Something that you and I both have in common is we are both from small towns. Do you mind sharing your population size of where you're from in Arkansas? I feel like I might have you beat, but we'll, we'll just see. Yeah, I'm from um, a small town in South kind of South central Arkansas called El Dorado was born and raised there. All of my family's from there, like both sides of grandparents, parents were raised there to me, obviously all my siblings. So when I was growing up in El Dorado, the population was right at 23,000. It's like gone down a little bit. I remember in college, I visited back home and they had put new signs up. And I think at that time we were around like 21,000. I think it's hit like 18,000 now. So I always tell people Arkansas is a little bit different than other states. You know, we don't have a ton of big cities. A town of 18,000 isn't massive, but it's it's a mid-sized town for Arkansas, you know, and then we had Little Rock kind of near us. That was big city, you know, in quotes for us. And then like Shreveport, Louisiana, and about 18,000 now, I think. What does a creative spirit like yourself do (laughs) in a town that I wouldn't say is a drought of creativity, but connection? Like, What do you do in a small town when you feel like you're lacking the bigger world? I can relate to that narrative so much. (laughs) And so tell me, what did you, how did you cope? Like, what were you like in high school trying to grow in that area of your life? Yeah. Well, the beauty of it was that it sounds funny, but I really never knew different. So I was raised in El Dorado. Um, Like I said, both sets of my grandparents lived there. Parents lived there. Then all my siblings, we were raised there. So really Arkansas is all we ever knew growing up. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know of this big wide world that existed out here. But, you know, I say that I, I credit living in a small town to a lot of my creativity, kind of instead of the opposite, because I didn't have a lot of other options and things to constantly do and places to go. And like, you know, we spent a ton of time outside, yeah. you know, me and my siblings playing outside in the woods and creating. I mean, we could make palaces at like through, you know, with forts and stuff in the woods. And we did a lot of bike riding and four-wheeler riding and, and life outdoors. We did a lot of that playing with each other, of course. And then I always had a love. I talk about a lot for creativity, just kind of the Lord wired me that way from early on. So I was constantly, you know, we family kind of laughs and I was constantly making things, creating art, you know, always loved to paint, always loved um, making things in my room. And then the love of photography, obviously, was just like a hobby. Being from a small town, I didn't know any photographers mm-hmm. personally that made a living on photography. 
Isn't that crazy to think that you didn't have someone locally that you could look up to? We had a couple of local photographers that did like um, more uh, like studio. I never knew them personally, but like studio portrait, you know, they had successful businesses doing like portrait work and family stuff and senior portraits type of thing at a studio. But no one that did, I guess what I, I'm doing today, I didn't really have a model for that. So the creative juices, I mean, that was just kind of in mm. me from early on when I was a kid, we didn't have MySpace, we didn't have social media or Facebook. And so I always say today, Day, you know, it seems like everyone is like a photographer um, or like into photography. But back then it was very, very rare. So I saved up all my money when I was in high school, my graduation money and bought like a, I think it was like $280, which was like a fortune to me at the time. But I bought a film camera my senior year with like some of my graduation money and basically used that Canon film camera to kickstart what I do now. It's just kind of crazy how things began creatively. I think because of the small town and because of not a ton of other things to do, I was forced to be creative and forced to just create, like I said, outdoors or painting or playing with my siblings and things. We always had something going. We were never bored. (laughs) When you live in an area that is not stimulated by like lights and a lot of sound and a lot of like heavy traffic and kind of that fast pace, I feel like it really challenges you to look at the world differently and almost internally to be able to see and appreciate the corners of your perspective differently. Yeah. I was so drawn to like artist life and like what artists live like that I remember riding on the bus to ball games back and forth with like indie music in my AirPods and just like (laughs) just looking at the trees and just being like, these are so beautiful. And it was like all that I had. I know, I know. You work with what you got, don't you? But I had moments like that, even hearing you say that. I'm like, I so connect. You know, Arkansas is full of actually a lot of beauty, you know, our trees and pine trees are everywhere. That's my favorite tree. But I would like go in the woods and play. And I remember laying underneath like these tall pine trees that seemed like they touched the sky, you know, when I was little and I would just think and dream and honestly talk to the Lord, even as a girl, you know, as a, as a small child, I totally relate. Even hearing you say that or being on the bus, you know, sports, yep. headed to basketball games and listening to my music out the window and looking at the tree, you know, it just, I totally resonate with that. You live in Dallas now. You are running in the lane that God called you to in photography and sharing your home in so many ways. When you think back at that time in your life, what is kind of the lesson that you still hold true? Like something that you still carry with you? The Lord's been so gracious to me and he's, I want to, set this right. He's done it all. But I think it's really like the ethic of hard work too. You know, like I knew what he put on my heart. I knew what the dreams he was. I knew it. I've walked with the Lord even from a young age. I knew some of the desires and passions he had put in me. Following that day by day has led me, obviously, I always say to people, there's not really a blueprint that, you know, I had at the time. I just followed the Lord day by day. But it took a lot of hard work ethic and things like that, that I still have to implement, you know, I don't know, being from, like you said, like small town, there's a, you know, beauty and hard work, not having everything handed to you and building with God and dreaming from the ground up type of thing that the Lord has used in me that, that I still carry to this day. And I, you know, there's new things that the Lord's calling me into. Even now I I tell people you never really arrive. The Lord is continuing to call me out into the deep. There's certain things that even now I'm, I'm looking kind of into what's next with the Lord and and thinking, oh, but that, that grounded me, you know, that principle of 
mm-hmm. walking with the Lord day by day, hard work and those small beginnings. You know, there's there's a lot of beauty in those small beginnings. The Bible even says, you know, don't despise those. That's probably what I hold on to the most. I think there's a beauty in coming from in quote small, you know, something yeah. small and just seeing to the glory of God what it is today and what it will become to you know more of his glory. And you know, I, I felt even like from then to now that I was called to like pioneer something. A lot of times when we say pioneering, we yeah. think of like church planting or kind of we think in that box, but I believe every believer is uniquely wired like no one else. And I believe we're all called when we're walking in the fullness of the calling of God to pioneer something, to bring something new into the world for the glory of God. There's really not, like I said, a blueprint I could ever hand someone else. Do exactly what I did and you'll be exactly where I am. The Lord's fashioned and called each and every person, each and every listener. When we walk in the fullness day by day, listening to his voice, he's got something great and unique a purpose for each person. Well, I want to encourage you that not only have I looked at your photography and just been absolutely moved, like I feel like you really capture humanity, like the eyes of humanity, like the heart of the beauty behind creation, like so well, headshots and landscape, absolutely beautiful. But another thing I want to encourage you by saying is that I've listened to several podcasts that you've been on, which by the way, you have a catalog, like it is amazing. (laughs) All the conversations you shared, you were so generous with your time. I have listened to several of them. What I find interesting, even in the wide scape of things that like God is doing is like small details of where you talk about, like even moving from your apartment to your house and like how taking on your business full time by you sharing a small, like insert of like a big life decision in the middle of a conversation. It is so encouraging to me and my family because we're in the middle of that. And so when I see that God is using you and continuing to work through those kind of domestic decisions. I'm like, if God can do it for Michelle, he's going to provide for my family when we are stepping out, trying to be obedient. Absolutely. That's so good. I'm so thankful that encouraged you too. It's funny, like all the little snippets of different podcasts that the Lord uses to encourage different people in their journey. Mm -hmm. So I'm so thankful because that was a, just such a pivotal moment. I didn't realize it at the time, of course, Yeah, but such a pivotal moment in honestly my calling and and what the Lord was calling me out into. I had so much fear. I had to pitch through my pastor at the time told me, you want to see God part the water. You got to put your foot in, you know, you got to step out. I always talk about partnering with God. You know, faith is partnering with God. There's an action that he usually calls us to, to partner with him and something he's calling us to. That jumping out and starting what at the time was called Michelle Mitchell photo full time was so scary in in my flesh and the natural, Mm -hmm. but I knew in my spirit that God was calling me out. I'm glad that in your life, you know, and your in your husband's journey. In whatever way that's impacted you, it's encouraged your heart and that God will do the same for you. I think it's so encouraging when we see artists like yourself who not only share their portfolio, but give a peek behind what God privately did in their heart. And I feel like you've been so good about sharing that. And that really does encourage people like me who are trying to be obedient and just saying like, no, it wasn't easy. Like the road was right, but it was still rough. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, the right, especially in the world of faith, that's so good because I need to write that down because the road (laughs) of faith can be rough, you know, in the flesh and the natural. Of course, the Lord always obviously takes us over and through that, but that's so good to remember just 
because it's rough doesn't mean it's not God. You have the opportunity of speaking with and partnering in photography with so many people. And it's funny because I saw this the other day. I was looking at my library. You correct me if I'm wrong. Is this your work? Did you take this? (laughs) Yeah, it is. This is Praying Women by Sheila Walsh. It's a lovely cover. When you walk into a bookstore or you're just scrolling through Instagram and you see your work, what is that like? I mean, think of all the thousands of eyes that have been moved and inspired by something that you put your hand to. It's moving for me because <laughs> I know the backstory. Of course, I've, I've walked out and lived it of what it's taken yeah. to get to this point in my journey and feel so grateful to the Lord. And I know he's opened the doors that I could never open myself, put me in places I could never put myself. I feel so honored and moved myself by it. I've gotten to meet so many great people and have so many great conversations and things. And obviously it's rewarding as an artist to have your work published and put out, you know, in places for other people to see. That's part of the heart of an artist is you want to express yourself and you want other people to see it and receive it well. It's still hard for me to put words around. Even yesterday, a friend of mine sent a post, something from me that I had posted. I've been on this photography journey full-time for 13 years, but five years ago yesterday, I made a post saying basically to churches, to ministries, to authors, um, I've done a couple shoots for people, you know, people in this field and I'm kind of just putting myself out there. I'd love to do more if, if you'd have me and thought, wow, at that time, it's just five years ago, you know, wow, what the Lord has done. Yeah. My friend actually She's incredible. She brought it to my attention, but she said, wow, look at what God has done in a matter of even the business in just the last five years. It's incredible. You know, it's hard to put words around. I just feel so grateful um, that the Lord's like given me the opportunity. Hey friends, I'm interrupting my conversation with Michelle to ask you a question. Do you own a business or a brand, big or small? You have a story and still with you would love to share the hard work that you are doing. See, one of my favorite parts about hosting a podcast is supporting my entrepreneur friends. Gosh, they have real grit and giving them a small space on an episode is a true joy. Becoming an official sponsor of Still With You is easy and so much fun. If you're interested in this opportunity to showcase your company, Let's connect. You can visit my website, coleybrowning.com and click the share your story tab. Take 10 seconds or less to fill out the quick form and then hear from me in less than 24 hours about sharing your brand, your business, your story on Still With You. Hopefully next time you will not be hearing my voice in an ad break, but will be hearing yours. How do you arrive to a shoot? Do you still get nervous or is there anything that you kind of prepare for mentally before arriving? And I just imagine that there would be a lot of like expectation management, (laughs) the time of day and like clothing and setting and turnaround time. How do you anticipate and overcome the pressure that sometimes comes within your career field? Yeah. Well, that's kind of with trial and error over time. I've gotten, I feel like a lot better at strategy and that's part of kind of just learning, you know, and and years in the business, but we've gotten really good at strategy by now with the team. Years ago, I decided to be creative, to be at my best. I need to like set myself up for success. In the beginning of my photography business, everything kind of felt like an uncontrolled atmosphere. I wasn't really taking hold of or taking control over time of day of the shoot. I would just kind of shoot whenever, whenever was good for the client. And, you know, learned very quickly that there's a lot of dynamics that goes into great photography that I had to kind of take the reins on. So now if people book with me, they kind of know, and I have a lot of cyclical clients. So they kind of know my rhythms now, but um, usually if we shoot studio, we'll shoot any time of day type of thing. If we shoot 
outdoors, they always know it has to be with Michelle. It has to be like magic hour. So, you know, late in the day. You've taught me about magic hour, the app. Exactly. So yeah. So everybody kind of knows that about me. So I've taken control and things like that and really set myself up strategically for, I'll let the podcast listeners know this, a little secret about me. All my friends and family know this. It's crazy to them, but I, regardless of, in quotes, who I'm shooting or what I'm doing, before every single shoot, I fight a little bit of nerves. I still get nervous. Mm -hmm. It's like in me, this responsibility during the shoot, you know, these people are coming and they're investing. And I really have a heart as an artist to capture greatness, you know, and every shoot is important to me. And that blows some people away, but I still walk into Uh these shoots and I've gotten better, but I like about this, but I fight through kind of some nerves. You know, there's just all these different dynamics that are going on and I love people and I want people to feel at ease. It's very important to me and some people kind of show up on shoots and they feel nervous you know they don't love photography don't love being on the camera so I will always usually kind of take time with people before when I do mentor shots for photographers I always say to the photographer starting out if you get there and you notice the person's not at ease don't feel rushed don't feel like you have to begin right away kind of talk to them for a second like put them at ease that'll help set you up for great photos Mm -hmm. little things like that that have only they come honestly through time as the shoots and I'll say in quotes you know have built and there have been I'll say not more important ones but just more wide scope book covers things like that that are involving yeah. other people besides me publishers and you got all these different people coming into these shoots with you I still have very much tried to maintain just me I try to be 100% me I've had a lot of artists mm-hmm. and musicians and authors say to me and this is not everybody's cup of tea but just saying like my clients they'll, they'll say your shoots feel very at ease to me and not stressful. And that's one of the reasons we love you. And so I've tried to be very much myself in even those big, you know, in quote shoots that are more highly produced and more people are involved. I try to like maintain that. So that's kind of how I cope and deal with it and create, put myself in the best position to like create great photographs, you know, and work. I heard Martina McBride once say in a conversation that like art should make you nervous. When I hear you say that, that you arrive nervous, also think I'm like, that just shows how much you care. Cause if you Um, showed up loosey-goosey I don't think it would result in the same so it's like this anticipation of wanting to do the job well but that is also encouraging slash relatable that you are a professional and you still take it so seriously and get so nervous before doing something that you know that you are going to crush it at and what I can't imagine is having a house goddess building without a wonderful talented photographer to get all the inside shots like have you ever thought about the story of the 1886 farmhouse without having your photography background? Yeah. Well, what what's crazy is I can't even take credit for this because a friend of mine, Amy Stockstill, actually mentioned this to me one time. I don't even know if she would remember saying this to me, but it, it just like the Lord used it to, it just so resonated. But she goes, you know, Michelle, I'd so feel like this is an Esther moment, like for such a time as this type of thing, because of yeah. your unique calling God's put on your life, combined with your giftings, combined with your story. This is everyone. That's what I was meaning earlier about everyone has a story that God's weaving and a unique fingerprint and something God is wanting to, for me in my life, you know, personally, I had never really thought of it it, with that angle of, yes, I bought the farmhouse, fixer upper, have a heart and passion for befores and afters to restore. But that combined with the Lord giving me the ability to capture it through photography and also to write about it with my words on social media and share it combined with 
my unique story, you know, I have such a heart for healing and such a heart for broken people, you know, and that's why I always say, don't ever put God in a box. You know, a lot of times we ask the question, what are you called to do? I mean, we have a lot of churchy to me lingo and like things we throw around, but man, I, I haven't been able to put God in this box of like, I am called to photography. I believe that the Lord creates us all these different giftings. And he kind of, when we walk with him day to day and follow his voice, they kind of all you know, mesh together to form this really unique calling. Even me going to, um, I've shared on some podcasts, I went to graduate school for counseling and like social work. So people will say like, are you regretful that like now you're doing photography and you're not even using your social worker counseling background? I'm like, oh my gosh, like the Lord has used that. I use that every day. I remember things that I was taught and I use that even in my photography or even in, you know, how how Scott is building and the restoration message of healing and soul care and all those things. I mean, it's just awesome to look back at the hand of God and see how he's weaved every single part of it. Even like areas where I thought I took a wrong turn or I thought oh, I shouldn't have taken that. I didn't know what to do at that point in my life. And I went this way and I should have gone that way. And all these things, I think the Lord's such a redeemer. He takes even those things yeah. and he somehow is using it now to, like I said, it's all meshed together and it's it's a calling and it's ministering to others and only he could do that. I'm not awesome enough or you know whatever enough to ever put that together. Only the Lord could write a story like this. Hey again, it's Coley. Before I launched Still With You five years ago, I read endless how-to articles promising a smooth and simple podcasting startup plan, but they only left me more confused and discouraged. I wanted a space for what I truly needed, practical, trusted information with personal encouragement, which is why I started How To Podcast with Coley Browning, a fun, easy, encouraging step-by-step guide to create and launch your own podcast today. In this course, you will discover your podcast purpose, plan your show step-by-step, and publish and promote your work. Don't just listen to podcasts, participate in the conversation. Start your own show today. And for a little bit of extra help in the process, you can use How to Podcast with Coley Browning, a fun, easy, step-by-step guide to create and launch your own podcast today. You can find more information by visiting coleybrowning.com. Click How to Podcast with Coley Browning. Press record and start sharing your story. As you have been restoring the 1886 Texas farmhouse, and I'm restating the year because it just feels like historic. Like that is such a long time ago (laughs) and to think that the bones of it are still standing. But as you have been restoring it and journaling the journey publicly for everyone, so many people have been able to relate to the metaphors of God restoring, like you're saying, like God restoring our full life. And I'm wondering, as you have been open to public sharing this. Is it ever feel like invasive that your house almost doesn't belong to you, but it belongs to several people? I mean, like it's been heard so many times. West Elm, many other publications is beautiful. Like I've never been in it, but I feel like I've been moved by looking at the different scenes that you've shared. And so what's that like for you being the dweller in the house? Well, I always say that the house is sort of, um, it's interesting how the Lord's done this, but it's been sort of a parallel to 
my journey as a person, you know? So it's like the house and the Shaley. I've kind of been on this parallel journey. And even by personality, I always say I'm an ambivert. I'm like an inter- extroverted introvert, I think. <laughs> Love people, but yeah, you know, I refuel alone. I like to get you know, alone. I have private spaces and things, you know, where I refuel. I always say, you know, this house, based on the dream I had that you could, you know, listen to another podcast. Yeah. I always say this dream has been like a modern day parable and it's very symbolic of our journeys. So in some ways, like me, <laughs> Even in sharing, the Lord will really have to help me sometimes because I'll want to hold certain pieces. I believe in always using wisdom, but sometimes, you know, in what we share, but sometimes I'll go to say something and I'll kind of fight it in my flesh and the Lord will nudge, you know, share this. It's going to help people. It's going to, they're going to resonate, you know, share this vulnerability. It's really going to minister to someone. And so I'll feel the Holy Spirit nudging me, you know, to share certain parts of my story. But same thing with the house. It's interesting to me how many conversations I'll have sometimes running into people that say, yeah, we follow you. We love your house. They'll tell me things that I, I think, oh my yes. goodness, like, you know, you, you see that part of my house and my life. I, you know, have opened it up for that, for ministry, for the Lord's purposes. And really there are days, of course, where at times it feels like, man, yeah, I've really, that there's the um, reality in my mind of I've really been doing this and walking this path. I've really opened up my life and journey mm-hmm. and home to people in the public, but the reward is so great knowing that it's ministering to people, the messages I've gotten. I don't know. I just talk about that John 10, 10 life. I've come to give you life and I've come to give you life more abundantly. And for so long, even as a preacher's kid, being raised in a minister's home because of trauma and wounds I had experienced, I carried those into my adulthood. And I say, I was a believer. Like you can be saved and still a slave. You know, I was a believer in Jesus, but I was not walking in the John 10, 10 life, the fullness And there's still areas in my life where I'm partnering with God and working that out with Him. Just the reward of people um, that it's inspired others to do the same, to find healing in those places that maybe they've never confronted. You know, whatever that may look like, everybody has a different journey. But to know that this has inspired people or built people's faith or brought healing to people in any way makes that so beyond worth it to me. And it also Mm -hmm. fuels me for my future. The way God uses that whenever people say to me, hey, this really helped me and it really resonated and the Lord really used it, that does something to you. There's been days it's been challenging to answer your question, but the the reward of it, it's so worth it. My brother built a house this past year on some family land that historically has had a lot of failure. Like there was an old mill there and then there was a house that burnt down. The land kind of has some real trauma. Yeah, He came home from serving in the military and said, I want to build a house. And he built the house on the land. And what's so funny is that like, I really started diving into your story and like, kind of like learning more about your house around the same time when I was praying with him and kind of walking through that with him, I would refer to several things of like, well, Michelle did this. We wrote Bible verses on the bones of the house. Isn't that something that y'all decided to do when you stripped it down? We did. Uh, we, we gutted it and then we wrote like uh, scriptures on the shutters and we gutted it back to the bones, you know, the bare bones, <laughs> especially those beginning days were just really precious in what the Lord began to do. And like, I mean, at that time I had no idea that it would become or be what it is becoming or what it is today and how the Lord was going to use it. The Lord in those very, very first, especially that first month, there were several things he, I feel like spoke to me to do. And um, I'm so glad I did the very foundation of the rebuilding. I'm thinking right now of friends who might be already settled in their home, or maybe like me who rent a house and they don't have the opportunity to strip back wallpaper and really go for a home reno. Yeah. But they want to practice that dedication 
of being intentional. Like that's an intentional move of writing scripture down thing. Like, Lord, we recognize this. Like we recognize what your word says and worship. What's something that some of us who might not be homeowners, maybe we're in a dorm room. I don't know. What's something that you have found helpful to do in the space that we're currently living that honors the Lord through our home? Gosh, there's so many different things that I do. I'm such a unique creature. (laughs) No judgment here. Seriously. I'm always careful to throw out all my things on people just to, you know, spray all those out on you guys. Our dwelling is so important. It's where we live. It's where we move and breathe. And during the day, I spend so much time here at night. Even now that the house is restored and is being restored and is becoming, there are several practices that I continually do. So one of the things I've started doing more even in the last year. And this is after, like I said, after the paint's been put on the walls, after it's been decorated, I've almost had like a renewed love the past couple of years for like the love of the word of God and the power in the word and like in renewing mm-hmm. my mind and keep talking about the, my faith journey of stepping into my future, especially in the world and the way, I mean, I've stopped, I mean, the news, you know, there's all kinds of things, darts and things being thrown at us constantly that are negative and that are lies yeah. that could get us very downtrodden. And so in my home, if you come over now, there's like even sticky notes all over the house. It sounds probably extreme to some people, but it takes it for me <laughs> of scripture mm-hmm. that the Lord is speaking to me of truth that I put on my mirror, that I put in my kitchen sink window, that I put on my stove, you know, beside my stove. And I listen and I recite and I speak the the word of God. My brother was visiting a couple weekends ago and we were talking about this because he just thought this was so cool. But in the, in the night, I just have gotten really a lot better at think like in quotes, like guarding my home too. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. There's a YouTube channel that I love called soaking in his presence. Oh my gosh. I was at a small group. They had that on. Really? Yeah. I don't even remember how I came across it. It was, um, probably a year ago, but I through every, every single night, like you can kind of see it here, but there's a, you know, in the living room TV, I play soaking in his presence or the app abide. And mm-hmm. it just, kind of the word of God plays through the house, you know, just continually. And I don't know, things like that. It's, um, I've just gotten a lot better at guarding what's in my home, even aside from the whole like restoration process, it's a continual daily thing that I do to aggressively like determine that this will be a place of peace. This will be a place of rest. This will be a play, you know, a, de- a declaration daily. So those are some of the like in quotes, like practices I do beautiful reminders all day. I mean, my bathroom mirror has you are my sustainer and like first, yeah. you know, just things like that. It's good for us to recall those things. It's good for us to see them any day, but especially in the day we're living in where there's a lot of attack on people's minds, a lot of negativity, a lot of hard things going on in the world. I think of that also on the flip side. If you invite friends over, wouldn't you want to have a home that is a refuge for them to feel like they can be truly themselves and to be safe? Yeah. And I've had so many times where I've been to a friend's house and I've just cried on their couch and I'm like, why am I crying? But it feels like I've met the presence of the Lord because you know that it was a home that honored the Lord. Yeah. And so I think of when you're saying all these things, I'm like, it's not just for us, but it's for us to share it with yeah. others that they know that when they come to the Browning house, they'll get a hot drink, like a hot coffee, and like they can sit on the couch and be fully themselves. Yeah, I love that. I'm sure that's like what you're offering through the farmhouse. That's my heart for sure. And I love having company. I love it when people come see me. I love it people spend the night and stay. You know, I love all those things. I love people in community. But one of the biggest things I think I'm grateful for is there's a common thing that people say when they walk in, you know, certain people will follow it on Instagram, the house and what God's doing and everything. And then I've had certain people, friends that live out of state and they'll fly into Dallas and they'll stay here or even family that hasn't been 
that come to Dallas to see me and everyone that steps on the property, they always say there's a tangible presence here in person. It's awesome online, but God's presence is here. You know, my brother got married here Mm -hmm. in November of this last year and my new sister-in-law that I love so much, Lauren, she stood in the backyard and just me and her and one of her, her maid of honor had tears streaming down her cheeks. And she said, I just feel like shalom here, like peace, like um, the root of that is nothing missing, nothing broken, like that restoration, that restorative, I think because I've declared it out of my mouth and I've declared it to the world that this would be a place of restoration. I think people tangibly sense that they sense God's presence when they walk on the property or they walk in again, something only God could do. It's something that I hear very often from people that don't even know each other when they walk in, they're like, wow, the presence of God is here. So that's what I'm most grateful for. A home could be just for yourself and you've so generously opened your doors for others to be moved by what God is doing and building in your own life. I've heard a rumor that you are writing a book. Yes. I don't think it's a rumor. You are writing a book, yeah. aren't you? <laughs> I am. Yes. I'm in the process of writing a book right now. So the long process. <laughs> How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. There have been several starts and pauses, and I'm really believing for the Lord's timing, to be honest in it all. Friends of mine say, like, we believe that pauses have been because there's there's parts of things that are supposed to be in the book that are still being written. Yeah. And from all my friends that are authors, I've heard this, that the, the process of writing a book is hard and long and just, it's a process, you know, it's been awesome. I'm excited and expectant for what the Lord's going to do through this book. Cause I feel like I've never wanted to write a book just to write a book. I wanted a burden. I wanted a felt need and we've never been, I don't believe in a day like today where People are so hungry and desperate for restoration, Mm -hmm. for healing and being restored in different areas of their lives or heart. Even after the pandemic, I was talking to my agent yesterday and I was like, gosh, it's just so interesting, the timing post-pandemic and the day we're living in right now to put a book out on, you know, being restored and process. It's been awesome. It's been tough. It's been very tough in ways, the way you have to dig through some areas of your life and your soul. And and again, I'm not great at this, but putting yourself out there in that way, it's tough, you know, in some ways, Yeah. more so for certain personality types. Not everybody has that struggle, but for me, it's a little bit of a journey. So that's been a process for me. The Lord's been so gracious in it all. And he's carrying me and helping me every day with it and showing me what needs to be in it or what doesn't need to be in it. And we're just processing through that. I'm very, very excited for it and very expectant for it. The part I'm still thinking about is you're saying that parts of the book haven't played out where they can be put in the book. Is that what I'm, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah. Wow. That must be interesting. So the process of this whole thing has been going on for a couple of years and I've been writing and um, like I said, there's just so many dynamics and angles, but uh, yeah. for the pauses, there's been certain pauses in the process of like writing and speed bumps, we'll call them. And yeah. I've been discouraged, you know, thinking, do I, you know, how the enemy comes in? Am I even supposed to write this? Or gosh, maybe I'll just toss this to the next person. I don't know if I'm called to write a book. You hear those things in your mind. And I've had super awesome friends that have said, no, we believe if there's a pause, it's always for a purpose. There's things that are being written right now. The Lord's doing in you that will be in this book and it will be for others, you know, to minister to others' hearts. The theme and all that that we've written, I mean, that's done, but I think there are certain things, even in the process right now, and talking even to my agent yesterday, just certain things that God's doing right now that we're kind of tying the bow on it, but I think that 
there are things that are supposed to be, and there are things that even God's doing in me that I'm supposed to share. And I talk about restoration a lot being a process. You know, we're all being sanctified. We're all being transformed. Glory to glory, strength to strength. Mm -hmm. And so there are things that the Lord's even done in me. I've had a lot of mountains and a lot of valleys, even since I moved into the house. It's not like I moved in and I started sharing this and now you know, the house has a bow on it and everybody's like, oh, look, you know, it's, I definitely am living that out, that restoration process, you know, what God's doing in me. So I believe that there are things being written right now that will be in the book. That gives me a lot of hope. Have you claimed a name yet? Have you found a title? We haven't. We've played around with some things, but I feel like the title, this is crazy probably to some people, but I believe it's going to come at the end, whenever we kind of get, I don't know, down the road, just a little bit more. I think that the title is going to come to me that's usually how I work. <laughs> um, some authors, you know, I know they start out with a title and they kind of have this perfect order. I think it'll come to me as time goes on, you know. Will the book feature your work, like your photography? Is it more of a memoir, even like the size of the book? Yeah, we don't know the exact size. So a lot of that's going to come through the publisher. We do hope to like put some photography in there just because photography is such a big part of my life. And really the theme of befores and afters is such a big part of the heart of my journey as a photographer, obviously befores and afters, but as a home renovator, befores and afters, as us, as people, our journeys, And the gospel message, there's a before and there's an after. And this transformation process of restoration and what that looks like. And so photography will probably be in it, but that's still something kind of like we have to wait on a lot from the publisher because they make some of those calls, but I'm hoping so. (laughs) And hopefully a photography book will come out in the future too. We've talked about that, like an actual coffee table book of photographs, if that makes sense. I was going to say, I hope so, because I would love to see some of the prints in paper Form. I was listening to an interview with Morgan Harper Nichols the other day. Yes. She said when she needs inspiration, she likes to look at photos in a book, not scrolling, not digital. Yes, that's great. Michelle, we need that Aww. action item. <laughs> well, that encourages my heart. I'm gonna I'm writing it down. Talk to my agent about this. No, we uh, we you know honestly, it's to be really honest with you, that's the vision I've had in my heart since I was gosh probably early 20s. Was I saw that in my mind was like I will create a coffee table book someday, and it will be yeah. in people's homes and kind of a centerpiece type thing for their homes. And so that's really what I've always seen, and I believe that's coming. This book is more heavy on the words, lighter on the photography. The other one will be heavy on photography, probably very light on words, but my heart is to do both. (laughs) You can hold both. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you for that encouragement. That encourages my heart so much. This is like the house God is building and this is the story that God is writing. I'm so excited. Excited to read it. I cannot wait. I hope to have you back. I don't know when your release and publication, but please know that we will be praying over the process. I mean, I've just been in communication with Scotty, but she's amazing. And oh, she is. You have a great team behind (laughs) you. You have so much grit. And I look up to you so much for like your hard work ethic. I'm really thankful for what you've done and what you're continuing to do. Oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much. And you've encouraged me, you've encouraged my heart today. So, 
I so appreciate you having me. Like I said to you earlier, when we were off air. I've listened to your podcast. I've watched you on social media and your heart and what God's doing in your life is so incredible. And so vice versa, you've encouraged me so much. I mean, I'm honored to just be a guest and uh, I would love to have another conversation with you. Like you said, down the road, when the book comes out and we can revisit some of these things and talk about what the Lord's done. And thank you. It'll be awesome. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to, that I didn't mention? I definitely want to hit all the places if you if you have anything in mind. No, you're an incredible interviewer. Gosh, you're great. So I, I can't think of anything unless there was anything else you wanted to ask me, but you were incredible. Like, and being on all these podcasts, there's uh-huh. like an art to interviewing and it, it just so matters. And you are, you are incredible. Thank you. That really means a lot coming from you. It is all Jesus. I can't take any of the credit, but thank you. That means a lot coming from you. This is surface level and maybe this will be fun to close with, but you are so fun to follow on the finds that you have for your house. I can't tell you how many times I've almost bought a diffuser because of you and you have really good taste. And so I hope our friends... Oh my goodness, thank you. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's no shock you've been featured in like West Elm and all these amazing places. But I will say like for me with my little rental home, when I want to change something up, I go always to follow you, Michelle. I love that so much. You know what? That's encouraging because I always think, gosh, you know, I like to share things. I'm kind of like, I don't want to say a teacher at heart, but like if I have something or I want to share, I want to share, you know, immediately. I'm like, oh, I need to share this with my people, you know, but yeah, all the little home finds and stuff, uh-huh. you know, and a lot of this journey I've really done on a budget, which has been kind of cool, you know, so um, I love to share little finds and we need to update it like desperately, but even on the site, we had a little moment in time where we put Amazon, like all my favorite finds for the house and random products, like you said, diffusers and things for your yard. And <laughs> I DM'd you even was like, what style of Ray-Ban is that? I think I DM'd you once and you were like, I'll, I'll search for it. And I, I yeah. even down to your sunglasses, I was like, those are so cute. If you want to like get some home inspiration and some unique <laughs> fashion finds, I definitely love that about you. That so encourages me and like inspires me really to share more because I kind of hold back in doing that. But we've done some fun stuff with the kitchen recently and yeah, obviously 1886 house, you know, but fun kitchen updates where we painted the cabinet and it's this really cool color I found and put butcher block countertop on the top. And then I've done obviously the open shelving, but saying all that because people have written me and they're like, oh, we're kind of on a budget. And this is like a perfect way to update our kitchen with, you know, like not spending a ton yeah. of money. And so, um, but we're about to put some new tile down. Uh, I'm doing terracotta tile. I'm really excited about that. That encourages me. I'll try to like share more of that then. That's encouraging to know that. Absolutely. And when I go to buy a home or when we go to have a house where we can paint and do stuff, you'll be the first to know that alabaster is getting (laughs) slapped on the wall. Like I can't (laughs) wait. I love that chain. I do too. Every time I I show Chris, I'm like this plus some shiplap, it will be amazing. So (laughs) you'll be the first to know I will be flinging the paint. (laughs) I love it so much. I love it so much. Yeah. Alabaster has served me well in here because it's, I was really picky about a white Mm -hmm. and I wanted it not too, too white. I kept telling the guy, you know, I don't want it too, too white because it'll be cold. I don't want it too warm because I don't want it to be yellow, mm-hmm. but I want it just creamy enough, you know, to where it's. And so alabaster was like a perfect shade. And then this coming next few months into like, well, this year, I'm going to be actually adding more color to the house. Oh, cool. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Cause everything originally, you know, it's crazy. I've almost lived in the house for four years. That like blows my mind. Yeah. But everything was white, you know, everything. And I talk about the whole becoming thing and I'm like, now it's evolving again. I'm wanting to add color and I'm wanting to 
do some different things, you know, in the house. So that should be fun. I'll try to share that more. I'll try to do better about that. Oh no, you're doing great. It's a healthy step in the next direction for your home. I love that. Yeah. We always close with this question. Our name for the show comes from Psalms 139, 18. It just says, and when I wake up, I'm still with you. And I just love this promise. He's always there. And that's such a sweet promise that he's still with us. I just was wondering, Michelle, where is God still with you? Oh, goodness. Well, not to be like too repetitive, but in this whole journey of the house, it's been awesome. The Holy Spirit constantly encourages me. One of the biggest messages to me of the house is you'll never arrive, Michelle, like in quotes, until heaven. Like I'll always be with you. I'll always be transforming you. Like I mentioned earlier, you'll go from strength to strength. You'll go from glory to glory with me. And so in the highs and lows of the house and continuing on, you know, some days are hard. <laughs> some days are harder than others. And some yeah. days I don't Instagram about, don't post about and all that. But even in those days, the Holy Spirit is so kind. He spurs me on, encourages me on in the journey that God's called me on and the house God is building, that He is building me currently building, not built. He's building. And that has been my journey and testimony and an amazing testimony of the power and the love and just the grit and persistence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and how he stays with us. Even when we want to quit and want to throw in the towel and sell the house. (laughs) You know, we wake up and there are no morning mercies. And I've experienced that so much in this home, going to bed for, you know, whatever reason, certain seasons of life, like discouraged or just in the journey, or I can't do this, or this is too big for me, or this is way, why did I even start? This is way bigger than me. And I'll go to sleep and the Lord will remind me it's his strength. When you come to the end of yourself, Michelle, my strength is limitless. And I'll wake up and I'll experience, you know, the new morning mercies that come and Holy Spirit just spurs me on, you know, into the, the future. And there's been many ways he's shown me he's, he's with me, but that's been a resounding message and anthem and theme in this home and in my life. He's in it with me. I look at my home differently because of you. I look oh. at Mark chapter eight differently because of you. Wow. Thank you so much for the impact that you are making in Dallas and beyond. Next time we talk, hopefully the book will be in hand and our friends can read. Yes. Until then, we'll be proud. So thank you so much for making time for this, Michelle. You are sincere incredible. You're amazing. Thank you so much for having me. It's my honor. I look at houses and spaces and places differently because of Michelle. That when we put a fresh coat of paint on something, it's not just visual, but can also be a symbol that God is doing something new, especially when we invite him into our everyday. As Michelle shares, there is nothing too broken, nothing beyond what God wants to use and heal and restore. I love Michelle's story and I cannot wait to read more of it in the book that she is currently writing. Her pages do not even hold a title yet, but I know it is going to be the best because it is a story God is writing. And if you would like to join me in following Michelle, you can find her online through her website, michelle.co. And you can connect with her on social media. Her handle is Michelle. Make sure you check out her portfolio and send her a quick message saying thank you for coming on the show. Can't wait to have her back, especially bringing a 
book in hand. Her website and online platforms will be mentioned in the show notes for this episode, along with the many items we mentioned. Visit my website, coleybrowning.com. Click the show notes for this episode. And while you're there, feel free to say, hey, I would love to encourage you, pray with you, help you get started on your podcasting journey. Next time on the podcast, we are hanging out with a friend from Colorado. Emmy award-winning journalist Diane Derby is bringing her new book, 200 Tuesdays, What a Pearl Harbor Survivor Taught Me About Life, Love, and Faith. This is a stimulating conversation with meaningful topics. I can't wait for you to hear it. And until then, be bold, be brave, be you. And remember that he is still with you.